the jolt with Larry Flick on Sirius XM OutQ. That is the current single by Afrojack featuring Mike Taylor on vocals. The song is called Summer Thing. It is 36 past the hour on this Monday morning, July 27th. You're listening to The Jolt on Sirius XM LQ. What a pleasure, what a thrill, and what an honor it is to welcome Olympic legend Greg Luganis to our studio. Greg is the, um, the subject of a documentary that will be premiering next Tuesday on HBO. It's called Back on Board. It's so good to see you again. It's great to see you. How you're you looking. Been? I'm very well. You're good. looking as young as ever. How are you doing? That? You must be moisturizing like a madman. Yes. Stay out of the sun. <laughs> lots I, of yoga. Lots of yoga. Yes. See, I got yes. up close enough. No work. So that's yeah. good. No work. Yeah. No work. You don't need it, though. You look yeah. good. You look good. Thank you. So congratulations on the documentary. I was watching it over the weekend. Yeah. And I really, there. Are, it's funny because. Your story has been told and and told pretty pretty uh, explicitly, mm-hmm. and yet there's a lot in here that's yeah. new. Yeah, I mean it was amazing. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Will Sweeney and Cheryl Frajanic reached out to me and uh, you know about this project, and uh, I we didn't know where it was going to go. I mean, when they came into my life, I you know was on the verge of potentially losing my house and all this it's like oh yeah sure come on in <laughs> come on in take at a that look. point why why not right yeah yeah and so you know i i think they did an incredible job you know the chronology of of my life telling my life story on back on board that uh you know through the olympic games and uh, uh you know the all of the other stuff you know that was going on behind the scenes and mm. You know, and and it it was you know the thing it was amazing, it was funny because uh, at one point I turned to Cheryl because we didn't know where we were going to end. I said, you know what? We I think we're going to end with a marriage. We're going to get married. I was because that was like, you know, when uh, Johnny and I were together, I was like, I think we're going to end with a with with the wedding. And it was like, oh, that would be so great. Is it? You know, it's like, and it was. I mean, we we were just meant to be. And, uh, you know, and who would have known all, you know, and it wasn't that long ago, no. uh, you know, with the Supreme Court ruling and, I know. and, you know, and all of that stuff, it, you know, it's just amazing, you know, and, and the advances in HIV treatment and, and all that. So, you know, who, who knew? Who knew indeed? So for, for folks who, uh, need a, a little bit of, uh, of a quick study, you know, Greg Luganis won the, um. When it was a, oh my goodness, well, you're from Southern California. Uh-huh. You won the silver medal in the um, 76. 76 Summer Olympics. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were 16. I was 16, yeah. yeah. And then in 78, um, went to University of Miami. And um, three years later, you were you were back in the games, yeah? Yeah. Well, well I was also a part of the 1980 Olympic right. team. So, um, and that uh, that Olympics was boycotted due to the Soviet Union's invasion of right. Afghanistan. And uh, so we missed that opportunity. And then 84 and 88, uh, you know, I was I was fortunate and blessed to be able to compete on two sides of, of boycotted Olympics uh, because 1980 was boycotted by the, the U.S. And then the 84 Olympic Games was boycotted by the Eastern Bloc countries, which a lot of Americans forget. 
but my competition was there. The, my, my competition was China. So they were there. So, um, yeah. So I, I, you know, and then I was continued on till 88. And then, unfortunately, or fortunately, uh, six months prior to the Olympic Games in 88, I was diagnosed with HIV. Yeah. And I was thinking if I were HIV positive, I was going to do the honorable thing pack my bags because I was training in Florida, go back to California, lock myself in my house and wait to die because we thought of HIV as a death sentence. And that's the thing that I I think that this film really captures that moment in time in history uh, of, of HIV. And, uh, uh, you know, it's incredible. It's an incredible journey. Did you, are you surprised to be here today? Uh, yes, I didn't. You know what? When I was diagnosed, because uh, in nineteen eighty-eight, eighty-eight, it I was a death sentence. Yeah, I didn't think that I'd see thirty. I honestly, to God, and how did old were you not, in eighty-eight? I was twenty-eight. You were twenty-eight. So yeah, yeah so I mean, I didn't think I would. And see people 30. were dying that quickly, though. Yeah, in nineteen eighty-eight, they, they were, were dying even quicker than that. So, yeah. so what was it like? Because my, um, I've, I've always wanted to ask you this, and, and had not previously. Um, my husband is HIV positive. My mm-hmm. husband was a, was a person with AIDS mm-hmm. uh, before we met, and and to this day, I sometimes wonder mm-hmm. if he has even now gotten used to planning the future yeah. because he was told he was going to die. Right. Um, have you reached the point where you happily plan your future? You know, it was funny because, like, when I, I you know, I think is when I had my fortieth birthday. I realized, oh my God, I've got to get a job. Like you're going to be here. <laughs> I'm like, well, what the hell? You know, it's like, uh, you know, and you know, and really, I mean, it's been, you know, it, it's it's been, uh, you know, a journey of reinventing myself, you know, getting out and, um, you know, doing motivational speaking and, you know, making myself available. You know, I'm continuing with my acting and, you know, you know, I'm continuing with a lot of things. Yeah. Um, I also got pretty busy for a period of time because I, with my dogs, you know, competing in dog agility. And, uh, so my, I, I still have one dog left, uh, Dobby, he's 14 and a half. And he competed in his last dog agility nationals, AKC nationals, uh, five years ago. So mm. I've been away from the sport for a bit, but I still go back to some of the trials. My friends in dog agility keep me posted. And, uh, so I'm looking forward to, Getting my next pup and and starting back into into that world. So you're comfortable planning the future then? I am. I am. Yeah. I'm comfortable. I you know I'm I'm not quite sure where it's going to take me because we've been th- we really have been through so much and we are quasi in transition. My husband and I, um, you know, just to figure out okay where are we going next? What's the next venture? How scary is that? Uh, it's it's actually quite exciting. Because because we we don't know, um, you know. Of course, yes. Sometimes that uncertainty, change is hard, mm. uh, and uh, you know because we get so accustomed to like, oh, I I'm I'm within my comfort zone, uh, but getting out outside of that comfort zone, I you know I realize you know that's that's where life is. I know, but that's. Sometimes where life sucks. I don't know, I, I, I'm listening to you and I'm thinking I'm nervous. I'm, you're making my stomach turn. But um, so, but but I'm also my brain is is, is uh, experiencing a collision of questions. Um, were you ever 
able to plan the future though? Because my take on on an athlete mm-hmm. is that you're planning for a benchmark moment, a benchmark right. competition. Um, no one is ever a competitive swimmer when they're 30, 40, mm-hmm. 50, 60. Yeah, yeah. You, you're, it just isn't what you do. Yeah. I mean, you, you, most yeah. people are not competitive athletes past the age of thirty. Right. So, are you? Did you? Oh, did you ever have a life plan? Well, my life evolved around the quadrennial. You know, is every four years was the Olympic Games. You know, and everything leading up within uh, the prior to those four years was okay. Am I on track? So you get a lot of you know, pretty instant gratification of whether you're on on the right path. Um, Once you retire from your sport, then it's like life doesn't generally work that way. I mean, it could take 10 years to achieve a goal. And so then it's, you know, your, uh, you know, your gratification is delayed and, and you're not accustomed to that of being patient, you know, and that's the one thing that one of my acting coaches always told me, I said, be patient, be patient, be patient, just be persistent, do your homework, and it'll happen. So was the dream to be an actor when you were done diving? Yeah, well, I started as a dancer, and uh, I was I, I was dancing when I was a year and a half performing on stage when I was three, got a partner, and then we couldn't compete until we were six years old. So by the time we started competing, Eleanor Smith and Greg Louganis, uh, she got top billing. Okay, uh, you know I was I was second rung, um, but uh, uh, yeah, once we started competing, we started winning everything, and uh, you know and you're that, just and a that was competitive an guy. You like to yeah. win. I'm a performer. I view myself as a performer. But even but think about it. You've like you you're a competitive dancer, competitive athlete, competitive dog but trainer. But it was all about the performance. And you know what? It's so funny because like people ask me, I said, "Oh, you've you've got to be so competitive in dog agility." I said, "No. As long as my dogs are having fun, I usually never knew what place I got. You know, and a lot of times I'd be in the ribbons, and it's like, "Oh, did you pick up your ribbon?" And it's like, "Oh, did we place?" You know, be, because as long as my dogs were having fun and they had so much you know fun and joy you know for the sport and uh, so you know, and fascinating though it was all about that i know but it's so fascinating because it, what, what i guess I'm, I'm hearing is it's just innate like yeah. you're not even you're not consciously looking to win it's just no. your nature to yeah. move toward you're just a naturally ambitious fella well, it, you know, it's funny because I, you know, this this reminds me of a conversation that I had with David Budaya um, uh, before the Olympic Games. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were at a nationals, and he said, "Greg, you know, meet me, you know, after workout." And so I met him after workout, and he said, "You know what? This is a national championships. It was two years prior to London, and he's and most of the his competitors were having shoulder surgery, so they'd be." ready and in shape uh, in time for London and he said you know what I'm the type of diver that really responds to the competition you know somebody hits a dive then he comes back you know with the dive and uh, he said I'm not real excited about being at this nationals and this is nationals and I should be excited I said David you're not going to break a world record by hanging with the pack you know this is a perfect opportunity for you to you know leave everybody in the dust not look back and so he goes, wow, I never thought of it that way. Mm. And he went through that competition, and, uh, and it was like, at that time, it was the second highest score in the world, second only to Kibo, Kibo from China. And, uh, you know, he didn't have to do his last dive. 
in the competition to win. You know, I went through many competitions. I I forgot. I mean, how many competitions I you know I I went through that I didn't have to do my last dive to win, but I still did that last dive. You know, and to the best of my ability. There's only one time it was it was a really uh, important lesson in 1980 when we were choosing our Olympic team. Uh, one of the coaches, Hobie Billingsley, comes up to me right before the finals of the men's 10 meter platform and says, "You know what, Greg? Why don't you do a cannonball for your last dive? So it looks like the competition is a little closer." And I said, this is the Olympic trials. Oh, my God. There's no way I'm going to be able to do a cannonball for my last dive. And then uh, we go reverse order of finish. So I was the last diver, and I got up to do my last dive, and my score is still flashing on the board. And I'm like going, oh, my God. I could do a cannonball. And all I could think of was, don't do a cannonball. Don't do a cannonball. Don't do a cannonball. <laughs> I missed the dive. I, I think I got oh, fours no. on that dive. I was like, oh my God. And he made the Olympic team. You know, but um, yeah, but funny. that was that was an important lesson for me to learn. So that's uh, Greg Luganis joining us here on The Jolt. He's, uh, he's the subject of the documentary Back on Board, Greg Luganis, uh, premiering Tuesday, a week from tomorrow, August 4th on HBO. Um, so... Did you feel um, in 1988 like the HIV was was taking you out of competition in in a way that forget, uh, yeah did did you feel like it was taking I mean not not, not just the life part of it but yeah. there was so much there was so much about you mm-hmm. that was perfect. Mm-hmm. Oh. I, I, I don't mean, know about perfect. Well, but. that was our perception. Of you. <laughs> I don't know. That was our perfect, perception of you. That was our perception yeah. of you. That was the world's yeah. perception of you. Yeah. In that, on that day, did you feel like you were less than perfect? Uh, well, you, you know what? I, I mean, I knew in my heart. I didn't share it with anybody because I, I felt a little superstitious about it. But I knew that those were my last competitive dives at the in Seoul, uh, at that Olympic Games. Um, the other thing that I, you know, which you know, the documentary back on board kind of touches on is that I was in an abusive relationship. And so when I went home uh, and started um, secretly going through a lot of my records, I realized I have no money. You know, I had $2,000 to my name. Everything else was held in his name or held, you know, so it and he had power of attorney. And so I was in a really very precarious position. So I was dealing with that. I mean, and when you deal with an, an abusive relationship, you know, it, it's it's all consuming. It really is. So and that trying to you know to get out of that. So that that t- that that leads to something else I wanted to ask you. Mm-hmm. Having watched the the documentary, how does someone who is you have to have a certain degree of of self possession to do. Mm-hmm. do the sport and to do as well as you have how does someone that self-possessed wind up being with someone who treats him so poorly you know it's it's interesting um you know a lot of the people who who like to take advantage you know they're usually the ones that are much more vocal much more visible much more present you know, the nice guys, the nice people are usually the ones that are hanging back that you don't that aren't quite as visible. Um, so it was you know, and, and also, I mean, I, I, my entire life was about 
performance, whether it was dancing, gymnastics, diving. So I didn't have the normal socialization. Uh, because I, I remember at one point I, I went to my mom and said, oh, I want to go to, you know, this, you know, somebody's birthday party. I think I was uh, in kindergarten. And she says, well, you have a choice. You know, you can either go to your dance recital and dance rehearsal or you can go to all the, these social events. But it's your choice. And I chose to go to the recital and rehearsal. And so that was really what my commitment was. So I didn't really have a normal, well, what, what is normal? But um, uh, uh, my upbringing and socialization was different than most kids. So did that make you feel like you were less than? Um, in some ways, yes. And it's funny because uh, that's, that's one of the next projects that I'm kind of working on right now is uh, my journey in learning because I'm dyslexic as well. I am too. Yeah. And so it's, I, I learn it's, it's a learning difference. It's not a learning disability. Yeah. It's a learning difference. You feel and stupid so, your whole life though, don't you? Well, I did. That's, that's a, that was the amazing thing. Cause I did some things for lab school in DC and they, and they stress that it's a learning difference. Yeah. It's not a disability. It's a learning difference. And so then I started examining ways of learning. And I also had another therapist that I was going to, he said that you know what you did physically is genius and i never thought to put intelligence into that equation of what i could do physically but what about you know the the because we're talking about this like this this collision of of greatness mm -hmm. whether you recognized it or not um a lack of socialization and kind of being prey Right, because yeah. you're because you're more vulnerable. Yeah, is there any part of you? This is a, a delicate question, but I'm going to take the risk. Is there any part of you that thought you deserved to become HIV positive? Um, I don't. I don't know. You know what? I I don't know that I really thought of it uh, that way. Because to be in a, just, in, a, in a in an abusive relationship right. would, would, would would suggest. Mm -hmm. That there's some part of you thinks, well, I don't deserve better than yeah. this. Well, I, 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 w I would say at that moment in time, you know, because when I was diagnosed with HIV, uh, my partner at that time was uh, had AIDS. You know, he went in the hospital for pneumocystis uh, around about the same time that I was diagnosed with HIV. So, and I thought, especially at that time, okay, who else? This, this is it. I'm stuck. You know, who else would touch me? And so there was there was that fear. Um, but then when I did the research and I got home, did the research and found that, oh, my God, this person can't can, person cannot be trusted. I mean, he had um, a criminal record and and, and and all of this stuff is, you know, so and I and, and I admitted to myself that I would not survive this relationship Either I was going to kill myself or I was going to kill him. <laughs> I, I'll you bet. Know? And I'll bet. so it was, you know, it was kind of a, you know, live or die, you know, situation. And so then I chose to, 
remove myself and and it was hard I mean the things that I went through uh, it was it was it was so interesting because I had two cases I had the you know paternity suit mm-hmm. in one court and then I also had another case uh with a manager who um you know was suing me you know at the same time and so it was funny the the reporters thought i was going to be in one section of the courthouse when i was in the other section (laughs) of the courthouse so we kind of missed each other it was like you know so uh yeah so there was a lot going on at that at that time in my life wow it's and and, uh, you know gosh we've run out of time damn it um but there's a lot there's a lot to learn in this uh, this documentary, back on board, Greg Luganus, which premieres next Tuesday on HBO, it is a remarkable, remarkable um, look into um, an extraordinary life. And again, if you think you know the whole story, trust me, <laughs> you don't, <laughs> because uh, I, I've studied you. I've you know wrote papers about you in school, <laughs> in college. I wrote papers about you. And there are things in there that I didn't know. So it's really well worth the time. Um, I hope you'll come back and talk again. Of course. So good to see you. Do you feel proud of yourself watching this movie? You you walk away from it and think, you know what? Damn it. It, yeah, you know it. I, it's a true documentary. I mean, there are moments where it's a little awkward. Other other moments are very nostalgic. I mean, to hear my mom's voice again, Ooh, that crazy, oh, right? My God, that brings tears my, to my eyes and how much I miss her. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's a true documentary, and 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 yeah, I mean, inspirational when Jai Wallace come, came forward about his HIV status because I did and uh, I mean there were so many things that just brought me back Uh, it it was just really incredible watch the movie Tuesday next Tuesday on HBO back on board uh, Greg Luganus thank you all for visiting with us today we will see you tomorrow morning